Hello and welcome to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. Uh, my name is Jarian Gibson with co-host Andrew Morgan. Um, and tonight we have Rory Monahan, uh, Microsoft MVP, uh, at vert com- slash compatibility expert. Hey guys. And as we go through this, we're going to go ahead and inter- interview Roy on his experience, um, his thoughts on some things like AppV, the Unidesk, um, you know, the app uh, or the EUC app uh, virtualization layering landscape. Over to me. Okay, so uh, so I suppose let's uh, let's start with kind of how this podcast came to be. This is obviously our first podcast recording. Um, myself and Jarian have uh, spent a long time kind of conversing on Twitter and on uh, Skype, just kind of in private messages, laughing at the the industry movements, laughing at uh, some of the technologies come out, and you know we we kind of figured that uh, there's definitely room for an end user computing uh, podcast, so we decided to go from there. It actually came about about. Uh, a week ago, um, I was returning uh, with a skin full of beer in me, let's just say that, from rugby. Um, for anybody unfamiliar with rugby, it's kind of like American football, but for men. Uh, and <laughs> I reached out to, uh, to Jarian and said, you know, why don't we do a podcast? And he said, yeah, absolutely. And uh, luckily, Rory is available. So I just wanted to welcome Rory as our first guest ever. Um, I know Rory is currently on holidays in Hawaii with his girlfriend at the moment. How he made time to, to tender to this uh, podcast, I'll never know, Rory. <laughs> but uh, welcome and, and thanks for coming along. Yeah, thanks very much. It's all possible because I have an understanding girlfriend. I don't think many would put up with this, but I was explaining what a big deal this would be and how there's only one chance to be the first guest. So I wanted to make sure that I made time for it. So happy to be here, guys. That's 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 great, Rory. Thanks a million. I think it's a uh, and that, that's a that's that's something that kind of translates across our entire community, particularly on you know from the Twitter sphere. We all seem to have very. Uh, very patient uh, partners to allow us to do half the stuff that we actually do. So, um, yeah, I, I understand your situation completely. Um, all right, Jerry, do you want to kick off? Yeah, so thanks again, Roy, for uh, joining us on your vacation and, and having an understanding spouse like the, the rest of us do in, in IT. Um, so let's talk about your, your background first. You know, what are you doing these days and, and kind of what got you started? Uh, sure. Uh, well, what got me started originally... Um, I'm from Galway in Ireland, so it's like a, a small part of Ireland on the west coast. Uh, not a whole lot going on there. There's probably a lot more IT work where uh, Andrew is. Uh, but one of the bigger employers in the town was uh, actually HP. And just so happened, all the stars aligned when I got out of college. I got a job with HP uh, as a software management specialist, which you know I've come to realize with my experience, my job title just completely changes any job I take. So it's a very broad spectrum of skills. Um, I started off uh, doing MSI packaging and uh, AppV, which was SoftGrid at the time. Um, I've managed somehow to keep up uh, working with AppV throughout my entire career up until this point as well. Um, MSI is becoming a little less relevant uh, right now, I'm just uh, doing some contracting work, uh, setting up a brand new AppV project. Also, the company I'm doing the contracting for work are starting to look at uh, getting some of their more legacy scripted applications to either AppV or MSI to just get get kind of a standard across the board. Very nice. Um, so you kind of grew up in that the the app compatibility virtualization landscape has kind of been 
you know, your roots all the way in, into what you're doing today. Um, I noticed you're talking about some some contract work and some new customers you're working with. Um, weren't you part of the Nginx crew for a while, or are you still doing that, or have you moved on to, to something else? I actually, I only just moved on. Yes, I, I was uh, working with Nginx, and uh, great guys there like Mike Nelson, Ryan Will, uh, Rick Dillinger, which I'm sure you guys are all familiar with. Oh, yeah, Rick's a god. Yeah, yeah, very well familiar. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of seems like the some of the engineers guys that I've been that I've been you know I've known or everyone knows about them have, have kind of moved on. You know, you have you, yourself moving on. You have Henrik going to uh, Amazon and AWS. You know, Rick going to Atlantis and, and Mike going over to ExtraHop. So it, it's kind of like you guys are kind of all just moved on and, and started going your separate ways um, and, and different things. So um, was your role basically at Nginx doing just kind of the same thing? doing more of the, you know, because they were having at V for a lot of their customers on their, mm-hmm. I know, on their hosting side. So were you doing a lot of that for them or were you doing other things as well? Uh, yeah, I was doing some other things as well, like RDS implementations, SCOM implementations, kind of, you know, working with the platform that they've got there. But the real meat and potatoes of what I did was still at V work for them. I knew we couldn't have a conversation with an Irishman for more than 10 minutes and he didn't mention potatoes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, well, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, you know, Rory, I've, I've known you since you were working back in HP and I've, I've been following you very closely. I find you absolutely fascinating on Twitter. You're, you're very, very funny, <laughs> to say the least. And, uh, you nice. know, I was, I was delighted when I, I, I saw that you acquired, you got your MVP because I think it was well, uh, well deserved what you're doing on your blog, uh, RoryMonaghan.com, isn't it? Or RoryMon.com? RoryMon.com, yeah. Rory I Monaghan. appreciate that, Andrew, and you're one of my biggest supporters from very early on, so I appreciate that. Uh, no problem, buddy. So uh, I suppose, yeah, okay, well, that's, that's Rory to anybody who doesn't know him. Um, will we hop into the, uh, into the topic of conversation for today? So, yeah, so kind of the topic, you know, we're going to talk about the EUC, you know, application learning landscape. You know, there, there's been some, some acquisitions out there, some newer enhancements by other products. So, you know, we have things like, you know, Unidesk out there today who has gone from traditionally being um, on the VMware infrastructure now moving over to Microsoft and supporting Hyper-V and RDS along with, um, with VMware um, acquiring cloud volumes and now it's called app volumes. And then you have other things out there in the market as well. So... Um, I, I noticed, Roy, that you've been t- testing the Unidesk solution a lot. So, w- what are your thoughts and, and feedback on the testing you've done with, with Unidesk so far? Yeah, I've just very recently been testing out Unidesk with their um, their Hyper-V tech preview. Um, I had previously uh, looked at the product when it was uh, purely based on the uh, the VMware backend, but now I guess they've kind of opened it up to a, a much wider user base. Uh, I've been loving it. It's I had some difficulties with the setup, just a little bit, but I think it was more um, my RDS implementation actually failed a couple times. Um, I got that that squared away um, after a day or so. I got it set up. Setup was pretty straightforward. Um, They have awesome documentation and awesome videos online as well. Um, Ron Oglesby's done a great job of uh, really putting together some great documentation. Their support is outstanding. The product itself is excellent too. Um, personally, like I've been using uh, SCCM and MDT in my own uh, home lab for keeping things automated and kind of you know well glued together. Um, Unidesk are 
kind enough to have given me like a, a partner license recently. So I think I'm actually going to move over to Unidesk for helping me automate my my lab setup, so I can just spin up VMs as I want and quickly as can be. Very good. So, so I mean, uh, it's been it's been quite a it's been quite some time since I looked at Unidesk. If I'm brutally honest. Um, you know, I remember the days you were talking about when it was kind of VMware centric that they were they were deploying towards. And my understanding of the product was um, they they allow you to isolate applications into layers to, together. Um, they also had some some stuff around uh, persistent desktops. You know, retaining user settings on you know on additional drives. And then of course there was the um, there they have a different provisioning method too, don't they? Like it's not. Um, they, they they have the the method in order to to provision desktops outside of say machine creation services and uh, and um, you know VMware's proprietary provisioning is, is that still the case is that what the product is still doing? Uh, yes, your uh, provision you basically everything uh, works in layers. So you've got your OS layer. You create like your your good solid golden image, uh, which acts as your OS layer. Um, you create separate layers for each application. Now, I think you just said isolation. Well, the applications in the application layers by themselves are not isolated in the same way that, say, maybe AppV or ThinApp would be. Um, it's more like a traditional install, only you're streamlining, streamlining that delivery because the application layers are stored on virtual disks, and you assign the virtual disks, and once they're delivered, it's just like Real, uh, really dynamic and quick delivery. Uh, no user downtime. The application just appears, and in the background, the what's actually happening is that virtual disk that the application has been created onto is actually getting merged in with the actual uh, virtual desktop's disk. Um, so you've got your OS layers, you've got your application layers, and then you you're creating your desktop layer by basically selecting your OS layer. Maybe it's Windows 8. Um, whatever applications you want, maybe Office, Photoshop, whatever, they get layered in as well. And you also have a user writable layer. So any changes made by the users uh, get saved to an actual separate layer, another virtual disk that follows them around and persists with them. Very good. Okay, so yeah, okay, so that so that sounds um that, that sounds really interesting. I mean, particularly around the if you were to look at the the Unidesk layering approach, uh, layers and layers everywhere. Um, with your background and history in in kind of app compatibility and packaging and MSI and AppV, like, how you know how do you feel Unidesk kind of adds to this? Um, to, to, I, I suppose to potentially the, the headache that 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 does exist currently with with packaging applications using the technologies I just mentioned. It's yeah, it's it's huge because essentially you don't really need a packager because it's as simple as spinning up a virtual machine and installing and configuring the application the way you want it, and that's going to be saved off to a virtual disk, which can then be assigned as a layer. Um, you really don't have to have this in-depth knowledge of uh, packaging, and as well now with um, with their Hyper-V Tech Preview which I believe this should be going to GA in the next few weeks. Um, I guess what they're trying to do with this product, or at least from what I can see, is you guys probably have experience with RDS, as do I. Correct. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't really scale that well at the moment. Um, like if you have to support uh, maybe 
hundreds or thousands of machines, hundreds and maybe thousands of users. It's it's a bad experience to try and support those users because, all right, I like the way that Microsoft put everything together right there on uh, Windows Server 2012, but sorting through those lists of users and the machines can be quite time-consuming in itself. It doesn't really feel like it's made to scale. Whereas with Unidesk on t top of RDS, you can leverage the RDS brokers. Uh, I guess it's probably cheaper licensing-wise for uh, a lot of companies that are tied in with Microsoft already. But you also get that extra management layer uh, included with the Unidesk product. So I could see Unidesk not only helping uh, streamline the packaging process because you don't need to have in-depth packaging uh, knowledge, but it can also make RDS much more scalable and usable in a, a medium to large size enterprise environment. Yeah, that's been kind of the, you know, the, the biggest knock on doing a pure Microsoft RDS deployment has, has been the management. And you know, it, I've had some experience myself with, with Unidesk and it's good to see them help you know improve the management of, of pure RDS environments and back to where you're saying earlier, I do have to, to agree with the information that Ron and the uh, Unidesk team has put together on the website for for documentation and, and videos. It's, it's probably one of the better ones out there for the the different vendors that that are shipping products today. Um, and you know Unidesk is a great tool. All it needs is a broker pretty much, and it could be a complete product. Um, so you know that's been kind of the thing out there is like they come in, take care of everything. Just add your own broker. Yeah, right. oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I can I can see their 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 RDS and and kind of Microsoft Play at the moment as as a couple of things. So I mean, obviously, the RDS is going to feed directly into into other delivery technologies as well. And I suppose up until now, um, or, or I suppose up until recently, Send Server has been pretty much dead. You know, I mean. It, it, people haven't been been you know showing much love for it since the open source announcement. So you know Hyper-V really was the only other hypervisor to to pitch for, wasn't it? So um, you know I'm glad to see that they went forward. But obviously uh, the um, what you mentioned there, particularly uh, on Twitter. I mean Mike Meyer only this week was talking about a customer who who dropped Citrix to to go for RDS and uh, painfully had to about face and go back to Citrix again. So yeah, there, there's definitely a a management or at least a compatibility issue with RDS um, in a, in its native form, if that would be fair to say. Yeah, I'm just surprised in that case, you know, with the customer actually dropping Citrix, going to RDS, and then going back to Citrix because of the management nightmares. And that's where, you know, other products like vWorkspace would, would kind of shine for them because they build on top of the, the Microsoft RDS stack and they have the better management, but, you know, they're more comparable over the years to, to Zen Desktop than kind of the whole battle between um, Citrix and, and VMware. So th that's kind of interesting that they went pure Microsoft. And, you know, I've had some experience myself where Microsoft has come in with the workspace as a solution. So I'm <laughs> surprised Microsoft didn't pitch that to help save that, you know, from going back to Citrix. Yeah, no, that's 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 really interesting. I mean, uh, so I mean, I suppose overall, Roy, you, you've been you've been you've, you've been impressed with with, with your with your with your um, de dealings with with uh, Unidesk. And I know Jerry is, is is a secret fan of the technology, so <laughs> it's uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I've I've been impressed. I mean, I've, I think I've said it in a couple of blog posts and on Twitter as well. 
if I if my job could be made obsolete as an application packager, I'd be all for it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'd all echo your feedback, your sentiments there. I mean, some days you're you're king of the castle. Other days you are literally the chamber pot emptier, depending on what application you're trying to put together. You know, it's it's it is a tasking and nightmarish uh, role to play, um, particularly when the customer is putting savage pressure on you to get an application ready. So, you know, products like Unidesk and these kind of layering approaches definitely um, are welcome in my book the isolation thing i suppose can can always be raised as as a concern um because i mean app v isolation is is very very handy for for when it is put in place um but from a pure application deployment you know compatibility and kind of readying uh, it's it's a it's a very neat uh, approach so let's yeah, kind of, I, go ahead sorry i was going to say yeah and I, I guess i mean that particularly isolation would be very useful for say an RDS session host where it's like a shared session host or I guess ZenApp terminals servers whereas like if you have individual desktops eh, there's probably not going to be as much chance of conflicts anymore so the play of isolation on in the desktop markets probably be getting less and less I actually just posted my own little opinion piece on uh, my website RoryMod.com uh, last week about this too so Nice little plug. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, um, you know, kind of looking at the landscape of the market out there, you know, uh, what's your experience been around, you know, cloud volumes, which is now called app volumes under the uh, the VMware Horizon View product line? Yeah. Uh, in complete honesty, I've been I was trying to get a trial back in June. But I, I forget what I know. They announced it at VMworld. I think you and so, everybody else, Rory. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they kind of dragged ass a little bit, but I, I guess that was probably because they knew the deal was coming with VMware. But I've had it now for just over a week. Um, again, very simple to set up. Uh, very straightforward. I guess they get their little tie-in with a thin app. Like you were saying, that isolation could still be important. Well, it's a VMware product. Put it together with thin app. You've got isolation for applications when you need it. Um, you've still got that layering technology to make packaging more straightforward and less limitations of uh, app compat as well. Yeah, because I noticed one thing, you know, which probably made it an attractive purchase for VMware of, of Cloud Volumes was that um, for a long time on the website, they were saying, you know, still use um, ThinApp, you know, just use us to deliver the ThinApp packages to, to the endpoint. So, you know, they've had that, that story with ThinApp for a while, even, even before the, the VMware acquisition of it. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I I I got a I got a copy of, or you know I got access after begging Harry Labana uh, profusely <laughs> after the announcement for for uh, for app volumes um, and you know I, have to say, I I I spent some time digging around and, and and having a play with it. The first thing that struck me was um, the the separate web management console. Uh, I really really loved that and that they didn't bake it into Horizon because they were the first people to attack Citrix over the many consoles that they had, <laughs> and then when they come to implementing their you know a, an acquisition. They decide to create two consoles for it. Well played, VMware. Eat your own words. Words. But um, aside from that, I mean, it was it was very very simple. I mean, it, it felt a lot more lightweight than Unidesk to me as well, in the sense that you know it's just a little package that goes onto the operating system, and from that point onwards, you know, it's just a matter of capture and go. So it doesn't require that kind of tight integration that that Unidesk can have, in the sense that you know the web console ties into the, the deployment of the desktops, and then from there you're you're assigning applications out at that point onwards. The 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 app volumes console just felt really, really snappy from that point of view. 
Yeah, I could get that too. I guess they have that advantage where you know UniDesk is kind of all encapsulating. Um, you're going with the whole, the whole story, the whole stack together. Your desktops, your OS, uh, your applications, and the user layer together. That's that's that value. Whereas app app volumes kind of lets you um, just take the application side out of it, and also the I guess part of the user side as well because it's got that uh, writable volumes. Um, so it is a little less heavy, and it probably fits nicer into uh, other existing infrastructures or in, uh, existing uh, virtual uh, desktop environments. Yeah, I'll agree with that because you know, just me working with with customers over over the years, you know, trying to help them get down to, you know, as few as images as possible. You know, there's always been you know Unidesk, um, Cloud Volumes, now App Volumes, um, FS Logics, App V. You know, what what tools the the customer can use in their deployments to help, you know, reduce the image sprawl. And, you know, the, the one the one thing, you know, they've always given feedback to Unidesk about is, well, I've already got all this, you know, built out in PBS or MCS or, or Link Clones. You know, that's where it kind of comes in saying it's it's a, kind of replacing what I have today where something like app volumes, they don't have to change how they're managing the images. They're just adding an uh, application layer in there to help better manage their applications and kind of fix that image sprawl. Yeah, I suppose I, th- I think my only—I uh, I don't know whether you guys would agree with this. My my only concern about this this application layering approach is is it's kind of worded as as too simplified up front. I mean, there is a there is an element of planning that has to go into a you know a solution like this when it comes to bundling applications in layers. You know, I mean, it's fine for you to say bundle business applications per per department, but in order to extract that kind of information or or layer it on top, I know you you know um. App volumes has a fairly stringent limit on how many you know volumes you can actually mount, and particularly in our large organization, if that's not planned up front, you're going to hit that limit very, very quickly. Would that be fair to say? No, oh, definitely. Um, well, I'll, I'll jump in there and I'll just say that I know that Harry was quite vocal about the uh, that limitation being thrown around, and I did a little little bit of investigative work myself because I wanted to know that too. Um, I guess. Their documentation does state that you should bundle uh, dependent applications together in stacks, and I think that's just there's a fundamental difference with how app volumes works versus UniDesk, because UniDesk do not uh, tell you you have to put dependent applications together in stacks. But in in regards to the actual uh, limitation. Uh, Harry was saying that there's no more limitation on how app volumes does it versus competitors, and that the limitation is more down to, um, you know, Windows limitations. Uh, from a video I watched <laughs> after that VMware I actually posted as well, so it was after the acquisition, so it's pretty recent. Um, it was the instructor again echoed that you should limit it to around 20 app stacks. And he suggested that it's not really due to a limitation, but it's for performance uh, optimization. So I'm not really clear on exactly what the push is because there's been some kind of contradictions between documentation and also uh, comments on some blog posts as well as uh, in that video, the training video. I'm not sure what the actual figure is and what the actual uh, you know drive behind that is or the driver is. Yeah, I guess the the main the main takeaway from that would be you know make sure you do your your planning properly of your app stacks or 
um, your app layers and then you know as you scale that out then add you know stacks and layers on top of stacks and layers you know just make sure to watch your performance carefully as as well oh yeah i mean i mean these, these both of these products i mean from 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 an overview and putting my developer hat on for a moment gentlemen um it, it does very much it does very much you know feel like a, an io filter driver so if it's an io filter driver be it file or block you know having to traverse down each one of those stacks is going to be painful you know particularly if your storage isn't up to up to scratch so i suppose yeah i, I think the my, my my concern really is that you know the, the due diligence required up front isn't going to be as simple as people are, are Making it out to be, um, you know, the, the the level of planning to, to get the applications together that that or bundling the right applications together to suit the the largest amount of uh, users and only deviating out of that when required. I I just think it requires some thought. Um, that you you probably wouldn't have had to worry about uh, when it comes to app for your thin app, so long as you've got your dependencies in line. Would that yeah, be fair? Yes. Well, certainly from that that regard. Like obviously, no matter what. Like if it's MSI or AppV or uh, anything else, you do need to be aware of the dependencies beforehand to ensure you're delivering them uh, to the end users in time so that they'll work together. But yeah, I, c I can see what you're saying. Uh, there's other elements there that need to be considered. So, you know, as we kind of talked about, you know, Unidesk and, and uh, cloud volumes, now out volumes after the, the VMware acquisition, you know, there's also been out there um, a product called FS Logics. Have you had any experience with that, Roy? No, I, I haven't had direct experience with it. I've I've been a fan. Like I've I've researched it quite a bit, and I've talked to uh, some of my fellow AppV MVPs and got their take on the product. Uh, they're they're doing things a very different way. That's for sure. Yeah, they are. It's kind of an interesting take because they've been kind of known as kind of the app cloaking product, where you're 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 still installing all the applications into the image, but but their their main thing has been we're gonna we're gonna isolate slash hide and cloak the applications and registry and all that stuff based on the Active Directory users, users and groups permissions. Um, they've since then, you know, I was able to sit down with uh, with Kevin Goodman from FS Logics at, at Citrix Summit. Um, in their new uh, version, they're actually doing it to where they're doing Mount VHD, you know, taking some, some feedback from their users um, and, and saying instead of having all these applications in the image, you know, let's look at if we can do other ways as well so we don't have that huge fat image out there. So now they're actually introducing where they're going to be doing some mount VHD um, to help w w in their product as well. Do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> that that's definitely better than. So I, I guess not having any hands-on experience with it, that was one of the concerns that I would have. Um, I actually crossed this bridge before on a VDI, VDI project uh, for a customer I was working with, where they just wanted to. Um, try and put as many applications onto their image as possible. And, I mean, the, the size of the image with just a fraction of their applications was already up to, uh, like, 50 gigs. Um, it, was, it was just stupid, really. Um, so the file type association and context menu hell, I'd say, as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, they, they broke the image more than once by having an application down in the wrong order. Yeah, I mean, in regards to that FS logics, that was one of the only limitations in my mind was it's okay putting everything on there and then kind of isolating it after the fact through permissioning, but you've still got the bits on the actual image uh, making it huge. So it's great to hear that they're uh, looking at some alternative methods there. 
Now the only the only one out there, so you're seeing Unidesk have their solution, FS Logics, you know, VMware acquiring App Valiums to have that functionality. Um, Citrix has kind of been the one that's kind of you know out of the game. That they kind of had their their product for app streaming for a long for a long time, um, and you know since then they've taken the the stance of you know we're going to integrate with AppV. Um, but you know, do you think Citrix needs to do something to kind of get in the game to to help uh, iron out or retool? you know, they're offering to customers? Uh, I would say they do, or else maybe Microsoft need to do something to uh, bring AppV into line. Um, I could imagine, I mean, I, I still see a lot of um, demand for AppV, so the demand hasn't really gone away, luckily. Other, otherwise, I wouldn't be in a job. But, um, <laughs> you know, you got to look at where this, where things are going and where things are moving. Do people really want to have to, one, upskill an AppV? I mean, so many packagers are really intimidated by it. They just don't comprehend troubleshooting in this virtual environment and dealing with these limitations. Um, a big help would be breaking down that that barrier. Um, you need to be able to take all of your applications, um, package them in one uniform uh, way with one uniform tool, and deliver them consistently. And right now with AppV, and not just AppV, uh, the majority of app technologies on the market, you know, you got to, okay, these apps aren't going to work. Put these aside. Let's deliver them through other means. Okay, this one's a vendor MSI. We'll do it this one. Maybe we'll script the install of this one. And then you've just got this entire cluster. Uh, your applications are all over the place, and it becomes more of a nightmare to manage. Whereas you look at the attractiveness of something like Unidesk or something like App Volumes, personally, I think even though Citrix are you know championing AppV, there's probably going to be uh, come to a point where the other ones are going to look much more attractive than AppV, so it's probably going to sway people. Even something like Numescent Application Jukebox, they uh, offer the ability to stream your applications. Um, like, say, semantic workspace streaming or AppV, but they provide you with the option to turn off isolation. So the major, the vast majority of your applications, like 95 to 99% of them, can be packaged with app, uh, for application jukebox and streamed. So you're getting that uniform packaging and the same delivery method. Yeah, I did. I had a I had a look at that. That um, you know, the application jukebox uh, a year or two ago, and they they they're not they're not focusing at mainstream markets at the moment. From what I saw, it was it was a lot more around education. But it did seem very very powerful at the time. Uh, just to push back on your your comment there, Jerry, and just on um on well not push back, but just to readdress uh, on you know what what should Citrix be doing? Well, I mean, look, Citrix entered this market a couple of years ago and decided to to lobotomize the product and deliver personal VDisk. So, uh, you know, obviously with the acquisition of Rinkube, Rinkube did a lot of what we're talking about today, didn't it? Yeah, so they, they, they had some some tools out there and they do have their filter driver and some of the things they, they do with it, but it wasn't the exact same as what the Citrix streaming did because you're looking at, you know, kind of the PVD is kind of done on a computer level, not a user level. Yeah. Whereas the app streaming functionality from Citrix they had before they, they, they end of life did, um, it was by the user. And, you know, one of the best things they came out with was towards the end of the product was, was Mount VHD. And, you know, a lot of customers that I've worked with, you know, were 
you know, they didn't want to look at the app V route. There wasn't many options at the time out there. They, they did a lot with the mount DHD function, VHD functionality, and, and hopefully that's something that Citrix has on, on, the, on the radar or looks at doing because it, it was a very nice product. It wasn't, it wasn't that much infrastructure. Um, the way you had to capture your applications was pretty straightforward. You know, it did do isolation, which, you know, do they need isolation if, if they decide to do something again? Probably not. You know, kind of do the same thing like, like App Volumes or, or the other products out there. Um, but what are your guys' thoughts around that? Uh, I'll jump in there first if that's okay, Roy. Um, yep. So yeah, the, the, the app streaming thing for, for Citrix, I mean, they, they shed a lot of great functionality in and around the great call of ZenApp 6.5. Um, you know, they were, they were obviously planning for the, the FMA uh, upgrade and they, a, lot of, a lot of good features hit the floor, sadly, and, you know, app, application streaming was, was one of those, or, you know, their version of AppV was one of those um, functions to be dropped. It was it was unfortunate. It was it was a good product, but I think Citrix just made the educated decision that they have a massive code base to manage. They they have a massive amount of applications that they need to manage. Uh, and when they leverage stuff from Microsoft, it means they no longer have to manage that code base themselves anymore in favor of leveraging what Microsoft have done. And then um, if it doesn't work well, then the phone call goes to Microsoft, not Citrix. Yeah, and the other key <laughs> thing there too is that um, you know whether you're pulling Zenapp or or RDS or, or the RDS piece in, in VMware Horizon, you, you get AppV in your RDS cal, so it wasn't yeah. extra cost as an app customers to say, okay, we're going to stop doing application streaming and now use AppV. Uh, of course, if you're going to be doing that to virtual desktops, you know, you're going to need NDOP and, you know, that licensing in place. So, you know, it, it's kind of was an additional cost for the for those uh, those peers in app environments or those customers doing ZenApp along with Zen Desktop as well. Yeah, I, I mean, something that interests me and makes me think about something like AppV. Um, personally, I think of it as, you know, it's, it's a pre- it is a really good product. AppV5 is also probably light years ahead of AppV, where AppV4.6 was. Um, at least now it is. It's been brought up to speed. There were some teething problems when it first came out. Um, but where is the applications moving to? I mean, what's the makeup of a Windows application going to look like in the future. I know um, uh, Ruben with Project VRC had a, a pretty nice graphic showing, you know, what's the uh, what's workspace going to look like in the year 2020. And of course, when, uh, regular Windows applications like today are legacy Windows applications are still going to make up a very large percentage of that, but more and more of that chunk's going to go away. So what's the next application going to look like? And can something like AppV or ThinApp um, actually take care of delivering those applications? If it can't, then are we going to go back to having, okay, AppV is going to deliver these legacy Windows applications and we have something new to deliver uh, the newer applications? I know that uh, at least Unidesk um, do have uh, some videos on how to uh, deliver the new style, I don't know what the hell they're calling them anymore, but they used to be the Metro apps uh, for Windows 8 using Unidesk. So, I mean, this whole area could change. And if I guess if uh, Microsoft changes that, then it's going to also impact on Citrix, and it's going to impact on probably all of us, really. Yep, yeah, and, uh, yeah I agree that that's, uh, that's very good uh, feedback there. And, 
and very good thing to point out because you know Microsoft could change the whole game and everyone else got to fall in line and, and adjust. So you know that's a very good point. Oh yeah, and look, Microsoft changed their they changed their mind like the weather. I mean, we've we've had so many different programming languages, so many different deployment methodologies, so many different tools to do it. You know, it's it, it'd be very hard to know whether AppV is going to have a prominent um, standing, even you know, kind of three years from now. Never mind, never mind the five. But uh, yeah, I absolutely take your feedback on board. It it, it really depends on how everything pans out to 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 know what's going to happen from that point on. Yeah, right, so. but, but also also something like extra to think about that is we're talking about all these different products. Um, you would think that Microsoft would have like that that inside track, so maybe AppV could morph into something completely different in the next few years, or maybe it'll uh, uh, knock on wood. I hope uh, at least have isolation as an option rather than enforcing it, because you know the the desktop space is changing. Uh, things are improving. DLL hell isn't as big of a problem. Is isolation that relevant anymore? Probably not. And right now, it's probably a stumbling block for a lot of people. Yeah, that's uh, that's very good. And you know, very good to point out as well because now you're seeing going from, you know, some of the app virtualization to the containerization stuff starting to become, you know, getting traction. You know, with, with Microsoft going to be doing it in Windows. You, you have Docker. You have Spoon saying that we can do containers on Windows. Um, have yeah. you looked at Spoon and, and some of the things they're doing in, in their product lately? Yeah, well, a, a couple of months ago I looked at uh, Spoon.net's offering on containerization. Uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty impressive. Um, basically, it's it's like the product they already had. I mean, they had a, a solution for both application streaming and creating portable applications similar to ThinApp. Um, they have their Spoon server where you can manage the applications, assign the applications, and stream to the desktops. Uh, uh, the makeup of the actual technology was quite similar to ThinApp in ways, but I guess what they've done is rather than um, you know forced to sell their product, their server product, their um, packaging tool, Spoon Studio, now they've made it open source. So there's a command line driven utility for creating these um, single portable uh, containerized spoon applications. And they've kind of changed the, the makeup of those applications too, where they'll uh, enable you to uh, put in like a, an image layer, or like an OS layer basically, um, to encapsulate everything the application needs to run completely within itself, kind of like, like Docker, I guess. Um, personally, Right now, I don't. Maybe I'm I'm too uh, ingrained into this whole uh, Windows desktop environment world, but I don't really see the application for uh, something like Docker or Spoon.net in my world right now. But I guess it's it's quite attractive to developers and like web developers and people that have their own kind of kits that they need to put into a, an isolated container. Oh, I, I couldn't agree with you more there. I think the you know the isolated containerization of uh, is very much on the on the server side. If we're looking at Docker and and what Spoon is trying to do at the moment, I think Microsoft really missed a beat with server app uh, I don't think it was used very much from that re in that regards. And, and Docker seems to have set the standard for that going forward. But I, I don't think we're going to see that technology hit the client side anytime soon. Would you agree, Jane? 
Yeah, you know, it'd be interesting to see because you know, like, like Roy, I haven't come across that as much either in in my adventures with with uh, consulting. So, um, you know, maybe it's it's still too early to tell, but you know, we'll have to wait and see. Um, you know, besides some of the products we've already talked about, is there any others you know on the landscape of application virtualization, you know, layering, you know, etc. that that's out there that, that should be looked at? I know you, you mentioned application jukebox, but are, are there any others out there that that we're taking a look at? Um, one I really like, uh, a small startup company from the UK called Cameo, C-A-M-E-Y-O. Um, I've mentioned them on my blog a bit, and I've got some uh, short videos as well, demo videos. Um, but something that they're doing that's a little bit different, they've got an online packager tool, so if you have a silent install, all you do is um, you know, point to the silent install or upload the installer, and it automatically packages it on their own infrastructure in the back end and then uh, spits out uh, a downloadable single executable as well as um, it has this play button. And if you press play, it actually real-time very quickly provisions a, a virtual desktop instance uh, with the application uh, running within that instance. So essentially, it's enabling you to upload your applications to a web portal and play them completely within the browser using HTML5. So you can take out your your smartphone, uh, use your application that way, uh, maybe your tablet, your iPad, uh, basically any device with connectivity can actually launch your application. Holy crap, I just had a quick Google. I'd never heard of these guys before. This is cool. Yeah, it's actually cool stuff. I looked at them before because I remember... Um uh, what I think was Gabe, Gabe and Brian mentioned them in a couple of tweets, and and I think they've had some stuff on them before, but that was a while back. And th this new stuff I haven't looked at, so I'll definitely have to, to take a look at uh, a cameo and what they're doing today, because that sounds definitely like a very interesting product the way they're doing things now. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And they're very um, they're very ambitious. And what I like as well is something about Cameo and uh, Spoon.net, for example, being uh, smaller companies, startups. I guess they're focused. Uh, very intently on their product, so they're rapidly uh, developing and innovating and changing the product line. It's really cool stuff to see, just for the geek side of us. Yes, yes, it is. It's very, very interesting. So we definitely, you know, looking at Cameo again, and also, you know, I, I have looked into Spoon.net a little bit, but I'll be looking to that some more as well. Um, you know, we could keep going on forever, you know, talking about applications and and EUC and, and layering and containerization, and isolation, and all that stuff, but. Uh, we need to let you get back to your uh, your vacation in Hawaii. So, um, you know, kind of kind of start closing things down here. You know, we'd like to thank our, our guests on our our initial uh, podcast for Frontline Chatter, uh, Rory Monahan. Um, next podcast, we will be interviewing uh, Case Baggerman, who has been a longtime con consultant. You know, well known in, in the in, in the community. Um, and he's made his transition from consultant to a vendor because he's now working at at Nutanix. So we'll be having case up on our next episode um so stay tuned for for that one awesome thanks somebody to rory yeah thanks to you too guys thank you rory and uh sorry to take away uh your time from uh hawaii and, and your girlfriend but uh you know go ahead and get back to it and enjoy and, and uh we'll, we'll talk to you later <laughs> thanks a lot guys all right thanks <laughs>